Pontius Pilate by Julianne Leonard Read by Paul Fox It was not my fault that he had been brought before me by his own people, not my fault that he had been found guilty and sentenced before he set foot on the stone courtyard where I presided. After all, that was why he had been brought to me, in the hopes that someone else would carry out the sentence, so that the scribes and priests who were after his blood would not be made unclean by having it on their hands. They had thought that fear would make my hands quicker to carry out the order. Oh, if only they knew what such hasty mistakes had cost me! Maybe then they would not have been so quick to want my help, but all they saw was an easy way to end their problems. They did not see what a risk I would be facing with such a decision. The anger of the council, the loss of position, honor, home, and family were not going to be theirs to lose if the outcry was too loud at the death of this man. If the crowd turned against us during the trial and demanded him to be freed— and looking at him, able to see his features lined clearly in the early morning light, I honestly had no desire to put him through the torment or punishment they demanded. It was not often that I saw an innocent man brought before me for such a crime, but I had seen them often enough to recognize the look of one. It would be that look which would haunt my dreams— even in the cases where the man had gone free, unstained by the wrong he was charged with. As for the other times, when it had been easier to sentence an innocent man than to find the guilty one, I had no wish to add this man's face to the private hell that I had created for myself with those verdicts. So I set about my work, moving slowly, questioning and delaying as long as I could, hoping that some word or gesture he would give me would allow me to free him. There was nothing, only those silent, staring eyes as they followed my every move showed anything of what he felt. I do not know what it was that I wished to see in those eyes, but there was no hope, no contempt, nothing but an overwhelming sadness and pity, as if he were the judge and I were the criminal who sat before him. That frightened me more than I could let show, more than I could even acknowledge to myself. For I still needed to play the game I had built for myself, stalling to buy more time, hoping that the crowd that had started to build would save me from making a judgment that would destroy the life I had fought to create. By the time my wife came, pleading on his behalf, I knew that I could not give in to the haste that the chief priest had wanted. And yet, I could not deal with the silence that met each and every question I set before him. I begged, pleaded, ranted, and used every other device that the orators in Rome used before a crowd, all to try to goad a simple answer from the silent man that I saw before me. 
But then he spoke, and every word in that short conversation was a bitter victory, one which I played over and over in my head as I relived the events of that day. Are you a king? I asked him. He looked at me with those eyes that were filled with pity for me, and said quietly, You have said it. I had thought that was the key that I had been looking for, the answer that I wanted, so I pressed again, asking again if he was the king of the Jews. And those dark eyes seemed to see through me and into my heart as he asked me in a voice that was so soft that I could hardly hear it over the shouts of the crowd below. Do you say this yourself, or have others told you about me? I wanted to shout then, yell at this man, for making me believe in his innocence when the only solution that I could hear on the shouts of the crowd was to carry out the execution that they asked for. I turned to him, shouting at a bound man, as if he were a threat to me, a danger to my very freedom, as he sat silently, waiting for my next question with a patience that made me feel as though any slave on the street could have looked at me with contempt for the game that I was playing with this man. Such high stakes I had set, my comfort or his life. I looked at him and shouted, Am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests have accused you and delivered you to me. Now answer me truly. What have you done? There was a silence, and I wondered if he had not heard me, if he did not understand just what it was that he faced if he lost. And then... I began to hear words that would force everything I looked at, all that I believed, to be changed. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight so that I might be delivered. But my kingdom is not here. How could he say such a thing? How could I simply believe him? It was madness. Everything about this trial was madness. And yet, I still looked in his eyes and asked him one last time, Then you are a king? And this time, he answered me as fully as he ever would during that short conversation. You say that I am a king. For this is why I was born. For this cause is why I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who hears the truth hears my voice. Such simple words. And yet they shook me more than anything else he had said. I did not want him to see the truth of my life, did not want that kind gaze to see into my heart, 
and see the pain and torment on which I had built my life. That sort of kindness was not the way of the world. However, the way he ruled over his followers was definitely not the way that the world ruled. If it would have been, why was he not trying to make me fear him, make me see him as a threat that would be too dangerous for me to kill? No, he did not seek to rule through fear, and I think if he saw the fear which I had been hiding, that it would have caused him pain. No, the men and women who stood in the crowd pleading for him, my wife's plea for mercy, my own inner struggle did not come out of any desire for fear or respect. They came out of love, of seeing the other person as an equal. How could such a man, such a love, be a threat that would make others seek to kill him for it? It baffled me. And yet I could not simply accept what he had said to be the truth. I could not let my world shatter so easily. I scoffed at him. What is truth? I asked. He did not answer. I did not expect him to. Instead, I sent him away, hoping to get him away from me hoping that someone would take away the need for me to pass the sentence that the priests had come to me to pass. But no one did. Not Herod, not the crowd themselves, not even the guards whom I had hoped might kill him in the scourging, spared me the act of passing the sentence that would be required of me. In the end, there was no reprieve for me and I passed judgment, washing my hands and passing off the work in hopes that it would be enough to clear my soul, free my mind and conscience from what I had done. But I could still see his eyes, still see the betrayal in my wife's face at the weakness I had shown by giving in to the crowd. I had ordered bloodier deaths, more deaths, and for less than this man's charge. But his words echoed in my head, and his eyes would not let me rest. Even later, when the position I had tried to protect was gone, and the pain on my wife's face let me know that I was not even master of my own house, Something that even disgraced should have been my right. I could hear those words and see those eyes, although I had forgotten the man behind them. But I could hear them in all of my actions. I had sought to rule through fear, sought to earn respect. I had lost everything in that lost everything that I could have had if I had ruled through love the way that he did in his kingdom. And I could hear that in my head, a silent answer to the scoffing question that I had put to him before. What is truth? 
He had looked at me as if I were a criminal and he were the judge. And in my mind, his words had condemned me to a sentence of my own creation. And until my death, I would always see those solemn eyes reflecting my own words back onto my soul. What is truth? Used by We Are One Body Audio Theater, with the permission of the licensor, granted under a copyrighted license agreement. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.